Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way? No, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Okay, welcome to the Fee-for-Service Podcast. We have on as our guest an old friend. I can't wait to talk to him. It's Dr. Jay Dickert. He's in Charleston, South Carolina, a little background. We did a great podcast recently with Jay talking about his journey into fee-for-service, and Jay's really sharp. He has a great handle on a lot of things. So tonight's topic is going to be the new patient experience, and we hinted at last time we were going to do this, so tonight's the night we're doing it. He's a graduate of the Medical University of South Carolina, and he's a Clemson Tiger graduate, which... Being a Syracuse guy, I like the colors. Struggle with Clemson, though. So, Jay, welcome. It's the right conference. We'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. Did you see that they're making a, a, a like almost like another power conference? The big. I tag? did. I did. Yeah. Big see how that shakes out. Yeah, they're trying to give a big uh, finger to the uh, SEC, but this conference that's really screwed is the Big Twelve. They're in trouble. Yeah. It'd be it'd be interesting to see how that works out. All right, we could talk. We could talk sports all night, but we, our topic is the new patient experience. So, um, I'll ask you some questions, Jay. If there's some that you're uncomfortable with, you don't have to answer them. But let's start off by a um, little bit of your background. You you went into private practice. You worked as an associate. Your wife set up. To just just give a little brief background to so get everybody up to speed quicker. Yeah, so my wife was a year ahead of me in dental school. Um, she bought a practice right out of school, not necessarily by choice, but because she needed a job and there happened to be one to buy. Um, and I kind of helped her out while I was finishing school, just doing work around the office, trying to get it fixed up, looking decent. Um, when I graduated, I took an associateship that went pretty well. Um, I was lucky to have a very nice lady to work for. Um, in a nice office. It just wasn't my style of practice. Um, and I ended up starting to work nights out of our office, right at Agatha's office, uh, my wife, and ended up working a couple of days a week in one job, a couple of nights a week in her office. Um, and then within a year or two, I was able to, to move into, we, we built a new space and kind of went in together and have been trying to grow that ever since. Um, we've been we were in a few insurance networks to start with and worked our way out of those. Um, 
went back in one later and regretted it. So got back out. And since then, I've kind of made a commitment over the past several years to working as an out-of-network provider. Um, during COVID, I know, Sonny, we talked about this last time, but we kind of switched to a model where we have patients pay us in full now. So that was kind of a big jump for us, um, I guess, what, about a year and a half ago now, something like that. Um, right. And it's, it's turned out to be a good move. It's, it's definitely not the easy way to do it. Um, fee-for-service in general, I don't feel like it's the easy way to do it, but I feel like with the right attention to detail, it's definitely the most rewarding way to do it. Mm-hmm. But you committed to it, so you guys went. Now, just just it, just give us a little description of your physical. You said you moved into a new space. Mm-hmm. Talk about your physical plant. What do you have in terms of operatories, treatment rooms? Just just kind of so paint we have background. we have roughly twenty five hundred square feet, I believe, in our office. Um, we have five ops. We have two that are dedicated for hygiene. That are kind of individual. They're a little more walled off, um, just for privacy and honestly, noise containment. Um, we use ultrasonics for every patient. So for us, it's, it's a big deal to be able to keep things kind of quiet and isolated and hygiene and be able to have conversations with the patients there that may be a little more in-depth than some of what we're doing in the back. Um, the three ops across the back, uh, my wife and I share. So I have one that I primarily work out of. She has one she primarily works out of. And the middle one is kind of overflow. If there's something that the assistants are doing that they don't need us, we put it in there. If one of us has to work an emergency in, typically we'll put it in there. Um, it just gives us some buffer space and strategically it is put between the two that she and I like to work out of just to keep again, noise separated a little bit. Um, We do have a pretty good size lab um, because of the type of work we tend to do a lot of, um, do a lot of TMD treatment, occlusal management, that type stuff. So we generate a lot of lab work. Um, We do have a CAD cam system. So we have a dedicated space to have the mill and the furnaces and all that stuff set up. Plus we each have a private office um in the back part of the the office so we're not a huge facility you know we're not not designed to be a mega practice we don't have six doctors and 12 hygienists running around and never have really aspired to that i think we've been more focusing on making what we do efficient Mm -hmm. and doing what we do and do it well um make sure that there's nobody around us that can offer the level of service that we can Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that other people can't do the level of dentistry that we do. I mean, I feel like we we both have done hundreds of hours of continuing education to be very proficient doing the dental work. But it's how do we deliver it to the patients? How do we make them understand the amount of time we're putting into this, the amount of work we're putting into it, make it make it valuable to them? Mm-hmm. Just by comparison, we have a sixty by forty office, so that's twenty four hundred square feet, and we have nine mm-hmm. rooms. We have so, nine well, rooms, private office, business area, yeah. et cetera. So it's just, it's a little different, central sterile. Well, where, where, we, where we are in Charleston, commercial real estate has historically been very hard to come by. So we actually had to combine three random spaces. It's kind of a giant Z shape. Like, I don't think it would work for any other business other than what we've got. So we kind of <laughs> had to get creative with what we crammed in where. Um, but it's worked out pretty well for us. And we are in a, it's a, I would say a medical, like a professional medical building, but there's three offices together. There's a plastic surgeon on one side of us. We're the whole middle part of the building. And there's a chiropractor next door to us. Um, so from the street, it looks very much like a professional commercial building. Um, we have a lot of parking available, which in our part of the country is a, a gold mine. Like, right. 
I don't know how a lot of the offices around our, our area survive. They look like little houses that have been renovated into being dental offices. And they've got like six parking spots out front. Mm-hmm. For us, people can ride by, they see our name, they see our sign, they see parking available in the front. And that's a huge draw. Um, yeah, it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Convenient. You can't beat that. So in the future, those private offices will become operatories, but that's just me saying that. So anyway, so let's talk. <laughs> there may have been discussions about that. Yeah, already. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have. They're, yeah. they're already they're already plumbed in, just in case. Yeah, cases. strange how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So let's talk about the new patient experience. Uh, let's just patient calls your office. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. What's the majority of the new patients? Are they coming from your patients? Are they coming from some marketing? Where are your new patients um, predominantly? You have an idea where they're well, split? Charleston is very transient. So we get, I mean, every year we have one of the largest numbers of new people moving here versus anywhere in the country. But we get a lot of people who want to move here because they love the dream of let's move to the beach, let's live at the beach. And they get here and they realize it's really expensive to live at the beach. Mm-hmm. Yep, so we just... get a lot of, I'd say, 25 to 35-year-old patients to move in for that first job. Um, so we pick up a lot of them through our online marketing. Um, we also are, we do get a fair number from existing patients. Um, do you know how it's broken down? Do... Say that one more time. Do you have any idea how that's broken down? Um, I'd say on an average month, we are somewhere around 40 new patients a month and seven to 12 of them come from internal referrals. We get a large chunk through Google um, advertising and really just people who see our reviews online um, more so than the advertising that we do through them. Uh-huh. Um, we get some that drive by and see us. They like we're convenient to several neighborhoods and we're also about a mile outside of downtown. So people who work downtown drive by and get where our office sits is conveniently where all the traffic backs up in our area. So mm-hmm. people get stuck and they sit and they look and they see us. Um, but I'd say probably, I think it's like seven to 12 is internal referrals a month. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Um, That's actually something we're working on right now. Um, But the ones that are coming in predominantly, um, I'd say all but maybe 10 of them are are coming from, or 10 of the rest are coming from, they found us online. We get some random, we get some of our specialists that will refer patients to us to either restore implants they've placed or deal with some of the joint issues that they're, they have questions about. Um, We have an orthodontist that refers to us to do occlusal equilibrations for them because they don't want to do it when, um, when they finish their cases so they get them close and send them to us for a final yeah. check and then we come in to do take, the why don't you do take the, some responsibility for our work that we collected all that money for and when you want you pick yeah, up we'll, with a little bit of the response yeah we, we get we get paid all right for it good <laughs> make it worth our while you should because that's kind of dumping in my book but anyway yeah well the orthodontist that does that is actually really really good um and oh. they have a lot of the same training that we do through the dawson academy and so I why think what why they really adjust it though. Why doesn't he well what they what he has realized, I think, over the years is he really doesn't like running high speed handpieces. 
And when it comes to that, he knows the level of detail he expects and he'd rather turn it over to us. Um, we've done that for several patients over the last several years and it's actually worked out really well. Surprisingly, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about getting into it the first time, but it's actually yeah, that would that would be a little warning for me. I'd be cautious, but that works out. So about by my numbers, so you're talking about about a quarter a month are coming from internal referrals, right? Mm -hmm. 10 out of 40 or so, right? Yeah. 25%, something like that. And your online makes up the lion's share. So let's say that makes up, you know, so you got 70, let's say that makes up 60%. Then you got about 10 or 15% that come from various other, you know, minor sources. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So a patient contacts your office and let's go with them. Let's go with the lion's share. They saw you on Google. Yep. And they need a new dentist because they're now working in Charleston area. Yep. How does that, how, you want to walk us from that part? You want to go womb to tomb? Sure. How, how yeah, wanna... that's fine. And I think, I mean, the elephant in the room and the one that everybody always asks about is how do you address the question of, do you take my insurance? I mean, I, I find that that is, and, and I do go back to, before we get into this, like I go back and listen to a lot of our new patient phone calls, just because I'm curious how they're being handled and where we could make improvements. So that's probably the most common question we get. And what I've talked with our front office about and spent a lot of time training them is that's what the patient knows how to ask. That's not necessarily what they're really wanting to know. I mean, they, they've looked online, they've seen our payment policies, they know what we do. We, we don't hide it, we put it out there for the world to see. I feel like when they call and they say, do you take my insurance? We've got them, I don't want to say scripted, but they're, they're guided conversations, controlled conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to work with most insurances as an unrestricted provider. And I'm very picky about that term. You know, that we're an unrestricted provider. I'll never say we're not a preferred provider. Yeah, because that's, um, that's totally an insurance company's terminology. Yeah. That's not mine. That's not the patient's yeah. term. Makes the insurance um, company look better. And right. you look that makes us look like we did something wrong. Yeah. And I don't feel like we did. So, uh -huh. um, and uh, what we do is immediately acknowledge the fact that they asked that by saying, you know, we're able to work with most insurances and as an unrestricted provider, let's see how we can help you. And then we can figure out how your plan may work at our office. How'd you hear about us? So I'm immediately having them acknowledge the conversation that there was yeah. an insurance brought up. But let's get off of that. Let's talk about the patient for a few minutes. Um, we don't ever want to lie to the patient. We don't want to focus, but we don't want to focus on the insurance. So we set the tone immediately about that phone conversation. The insurance is secondary in our office. The priority is what's going on with the patient. And we'll, we'll come back and deal with the insurance stuff towards the end of the conversation. But we want to make sure what they're, what they're really calling about comes out quickly, because then we can focus the conversation on that. You know, and one of the things that a lot of times we'll do is we'll immediately ask, you know, how'd you find out about us? What it also helps us do at that point is figure out, are we building a whole new relationship with this patient or are we building on the back of one we've already got with an existing patient? And our, our the, the ladies we have at our front desk are really, really good. They've been with us a long time. They know most of our existing patients very well. Mm -hmm. They tend to know the, the patients that are going to refer easy patients and then the ones that are going to refer ones that may be a little more high maintenance. So it gives them an idea of which kind of conversation to have with the patient. Um, but one of the questions I want them to get to as quickly as possible is what can we do to help you? And then just let the patient talk. 
Um, we've, we've found that just letting them talk lets us figure out, are we channeling them towards a comprehensive exam? Are we channeling them towards a limited exam? You know, is there an acute pain problem or, or just figure out what the issue is? Well, like tend to refer like, right? So if you have right. a patient that you enjoy seeing and they are appreciative of your work, you're probably going to get another person that's a lot like that person, whether they're related mm -hmm. or not, but they're in their circle. So yeah. me, that's why, like you said, you were going to, you're kind of talking about that internal referral part. For us, it's, it's a little skewed higher there, I think, or the majority of our I don't think it's a majority anymore, but I think a good number of our new patients come from, from internal, from like, refer, yeah. like. Uh, I've always said, I'll take one patient from an internal referral over 10 from outside. Yeah. Well, uh, sometimes they, they a lot of those are tire kickers, you know? So it's like, yep. you know, and you don't, you, you got to kind of go from, from completely, uh, you know, oblivion to, oh, this is what we do versus, oh yeah. Yeah. You, you treated my neighbor and they were happy. Okay. Yeah, and one of the things we do with that, that initial conversation that is different than a lot of offices is we get out in front of the fees early. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we realize it's a patient that calls, say they call and say, oh, I broke a tooth off. It hurts so bad. I need to be seen. Can you please get me in? And we say, yes, we'd absolutely be glad to get you in. And we'll immediately say something like, Dr. Dicker can see you at two o'clock today. We're going to set you up for the exam and the x-ray. The fee for that is call it $125, whatever it is that's going to be due today and that's going to and what we'll do is we'll get you in we'll take a look at the tooth we'll see what's going on we'll talk to you before we do anything else that would incur any other charges so what we have done is we've immediately set the precedent that they're going to come in we're going to see them today because we care about them and in our office we really do try to get anybody that calls with pain we're going to see you somehow today yeah um, we, we hold times in our schedule to do that without mm -hmm. really throwing a wrench in the whole day but we want them to know what the fee is going to be. It sets an expectation. It also sets an expectation that the fee for the exam and the diagnosis is different than the fee for the treatment, mm -hmm. um, which is, I think, important. A lot of patients come in, and if you give them a fee on the phone, they think, okay, that's what I've got to pay to fix my problem. And that's not the case. So mm -hmm. we make very clear that this is the fee. This is what it's for. We can see you at this time. And we're not saying, when can you come today? We're saying, this is the time we have open. Will that work for you? Um, again, it's it's keeping control in that conversation and mm -hmm. having the patient get the feel that we know what we're doing. We have a place for you. We're going to be ready for you when you get here, but we need you to be here on time uh, to make this work for you. Mm -hmm. It creates a sense of urgency for the patient too, as well, I think. So take that same caller, not to go on a sidetrack, but that same yeah. caller knows they need a root canal. I've had this tooth. It's abscess. Mm -hmm. I know it needs a root canal. Can you guys do that for me? Yep. Um, that's one that if it's within the example of root canal, the, the our front office is trained to say, you know, we do do some root canal procedures in our office before we will commit to any kind of treatment or commit to any kind of fee. We need to be able to see the tooth and see what's going on and do an evaluation for you. Can we get you set up for that limited exam visit? The fee for that is the $125 I can see you today at two o'clock. Mm -hmm. It's answering the question, but immediately steering it back to put the ball in the patient's court. Mm -hmm. to put them where we want them again it's, it shows that we know what we're doing we've been down this road before we got you come on in we'll get it sorted out but i think a lot of times those patients when they call and are saying i need this procedure this is what i was quoted to have it done i mean they're price shopping which is fine but they're doing that because they weren't comfortable where they were Mm -hmm. I feel like if, if patients were really comfortable where they were they wouldn't be making that phone call and we're never going to win the price battle 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to win it. I don't, I'm not nope. fighting. I know there's the, on the, the dental nachos group and even some of the fee for service groups. It's like there's some people that are fighting to be at the bottom. They want so to pick race up every to the patient bottom. that comes yep. to the door. I'm racing the other way. I mean, it's yep. kind of, one of those things that there's a fire and some people are running away from it. I may be the one running towards it. Mm-hmm. But somebody's got to do it. <laughs> so I let me ask you. Handle doing the other way. So let me ask you this, just before we get into the new, the, the mm-hmm. new patient part. So, so how many, in the course of the, in the course of a month, let's say 10 of your new patients are emergencies, right? And yeah. you told them that what, do you, any idea what your conversion rate would be to scheduling those appointments? Um, it really depends. And I think, I mean, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have, but even doing this 13 years, I can go in and within about 10 minutes of talking to a patient, I can get an idea if there's somebody that just wants to put the fire out dentistry, if there's somebody that maybe had a reason they weren't coming in for a long time and they were just a little embarrassed to get back in the wagon and or back on the wagon. And this is something that's kind of given them the jump start. Mm-hmm. A lot of those patients for timing reasons, I'll end up referring to our specialist say the endodontist as an example and say, look, they can get the root canal done for you today. We're lucky we have a great network of people here we can refer to. But what I will do before I commit to setting them up to a whole bunch of stuff in our office is I'll set them up for that comprehensive exam visit. And I'll just ask them, I say, are you interested in becoming a full-time patient here? We'd love to have you, but we ask that you make the commitment to come through that comprehensive exam. The fee for that is X dollars. Again, I'm being very upfront with the fees, and I find that patients like that. I know some people don't like talking about money. I have gotten incredibly comfortable with that in the last year and a half. People well, respond better you, to it. I think but if they you know you're hiding something. Yeah, I think exactly. I think if you dance around it, they can smell it. You know, they can be like, yeah. not comfortable with the fees. It's going to, that's probably because it's too much. And, and it yeah, doesn't matter what admit- it is. I think with fee-for-service in general, whether it's talking to new patients on the phone or the doctor standing in the op talking to the patients, like if there's one piece of advice to be given, it's just own it. If that's what you're going to do, own it. Don't Mm -hmm. try to hide behind it. Don't try to beat around the bush. Mm -hmm. Be who you want to be. If you want to be a fee-for-service practice, you got to be something different than everybody else, I, I feel like. But you can't be ashamed of what you're trying to do. I think you think you have to get out in front of it and own what you're trying to trying to present to the patients. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, and I, I think that uh, the worst thing you can do is stammer or just completely divert. Well, I'm going to let so-and-so mm-hmm. handle that, you know, like, yep. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll typically give them a, a range, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll say we can break it down more specifically and Samantha can, can, can give that to you. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at about $3,500 approximately to save that. Chance. Yeah, and that's that's usually how I'll approach it too. I mean, I I don't mm-hmm. I don't stand there at every new patient appointment at the end of it and go through. You know, you need an MO on number 22, and it's going to be this many dollars, and you need a you know a DO on 30, and it's going to be this many dollars. Usually, what I'll say is, look, I see there's five or six billings here. Each one is kind of in this range. The exact fees will be printed on your treatment plan. If you have any questions, let me know. But again, I'm giving them a printed copy with everything there before they go. If they have questions, I'm happy to talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, we, we, we get a fair number of those uh, fires and putting out. So, so yep. let me ask. So now, um, okay, so that's one example. So let's get into now the comprehensive exam. So let's talk mm-hmm. about 
Um, do you want to talk about how that initiates or do you want to go right sure. into the process? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm fine with that. So usually for the phone call, what we get is just something like I haven't been to the dentist for a while and I wanted to get my teeth cleaned. Like that's the one we hear the most often. Yep. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, that's great, but I'm going to see you first before we do that. And a lot of offices, even a lot of fee-for-service offices I know bring new patients into hygiene. And I, if that works for your model, that's great. In our office, every new patient that comes in short of a limited exam patient with an acute pain problem right. is going to come see one of the doctors for an hour. There's no hygiene scheduled. It's an hour long visit with the doctor. Um, and they're told that on the phone when we're going over the fees for the appointment. I, I like the patient to understand what they're paying for at that visit. Um, and so the front desk is, is told not just to say, you know, it's however many dollars for the new patient exam and x-rays that say you know, the fee is this, but we're going to spend an hour with you. The doctors are going to go through and they're going to check your muscles. They're going to update your x-rays. They're going to check the joints, the teeth, the gums. They're going to complete an oral cancer screening with you. It's setting the tone that there's multiple things that we're going to be doing for them and that I'm going to be the one in the room doing it with them. Um, mm -hmm. It's not going to be farmed out to somebody. They're going to spend that time with me. They're going to get the one-on-one -on -one time with me to talk with me about whatever's going on. And that's not for every patient. Some patients don't want it. They don't want to pay extra for it. And that's okay. Um, I think I've gotten very comfortable with the idea of our practice isn't for everybody. It doesn't have to be. I don't need, I don't need 200 patients a month, new, new patients a month. Yeah. You know, at, at what, 35 to 40 new patients a month, that's all I can handle. At what point do you take your extras? Um, so I guess kind of to, to jump is like when the patient comes into the office, um, it's probably the logical way to go through that. So they're going to come in. One okay, of the so let's, do is... let's back up. Let's back up one mm -hmm. second. Okay, because you're right. I did jump ahead on you. Mm -hmm. So that patient comes, that patient makes the phone call. I haven't been in. I want to see it set up teeth cleaning. And you say, you know, this is what we'd like to set you up with. It's going to be X amount of dollars. And this is going to be for this hour appointment. How's tomorrow at two o'clock? Mm -hmm. right. So then now let's take it. So that patient, they're prepared. They understand their financial responsibility. Do you give them paperwork? You know, do, do you give them their medical insurance, their HIPAA forms? Their Yeah, uh, we, we try to email that to them ahead of time so that okay. they can get it completed and hopefully send it back to us electronically before they ever come. That so do you send them a link or do you send them actual paperwork? Um, we've done it both ways. Um, right now we're doing it where they're actual, they're fillable PDFs that I made um, that can be sent out and be filled out and be sent back to us. Okay. Um, I'm finding that's working better. Some of the link stuff, we had problems with some of the older patients having yep. issues getting that sorted yep. out. That's why I'm um, asking. Yep. Or patients didn't want to create logins for different softwares. And I get it. I, I don't like doing it either, but um, a fillable PDF seems to be a very efficient way and it's easy when we get it back we can import it into dentrix very easily so right now that's what we're doing um may change at some point but i feel like one of the things covid forced us to do is go paper go paper lists with the paperwork we need done and that, mm -hmm. that's kind of how we've handled that for the time being it seems to be going okay okay um, we still get some patients that will fill it out and instead of emailing it back to us they'll print it out and bring it when they come some of them just won't fill it out and that's case we'll give it to them when they get there and they can go wait in their car and fill it out <laughs> um yeah. and that that happens sometimes it's i'd say 75 ish percent of our patients get it done somehow ahead of time okay. um, whether they a lot of them are printing it out filling it out and just bringing it with them rather than, than emailing yeah. it back yeah, old school. still yeah. that's 
Pen and five paper. minutes of time processing and intake, and then we're good. Um, when they get to the office, uh, we make a big point to greet them by name when they come in. And I've had people say, well, how do you know that it's them? Like, look at the schedule. I mean, if you've only got one new patient, that's the one person coming through the door you don't know. And then, you know, the new patient is a roughly 40-year-old female, and that's a roughly 40-year-old female. Like, take a stab at it. You know, you you got a pretty good chance of getting it right. It's going to make a big impact if you get it right. And if you don't, you can say, oh, I'm sorry. I must have had the wrong person. You know, there's a, there's a way to back out of it. But if nothing else, it shows that you're trying. You put some effort in. You know who's coming in. You're prepared for them. Mm-hmm. Um I think one of the big things on our end is that new patient exam, we're going to start on time every time. If the patient comes and they have not filled out paperwork yet, I'm still going to post an assistant right there in the waiting room to look at the person while they're filling out paperwork because I want them to know we were ready for them. And it may make them hustle. It may make them move a little faster, which is good for us, but it sets the tone that, hey, we were ready for you at the time we said we were going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in a fee-for-service office, that's a very important thing. Patients are paying a premium to come see us. I, I feel like it's our job to respect their time and be ready for them when they get there. We, I don't feel like we should be making people wait. Um, so, so your message is not unnoticed. It's we're on time. Mm-hmm. We're ready for you. You messed up, but we're still ready for you. That's good. Right. I mean, that's because um, that's like your culture. So that's the, what you're creating. Mm-hmm. Too, right? right. And it's, our, it sounds like your office is kind of the same way, but like I would, I don't need 5,000 patients to take care of. I want 1,500 ish patients who want what we do. Mm-hmm. And it, we occasionally will get a new patient where we go through the exam and they're just not totally comfortable with how, what we do and how we do it. That's okay. I mean, our, our say in our office is we'll release them back into the world. Um, we, we worked with a consultant named Larry Gazzardo who taught us that. Who um, I think he's actually doing some work with the Dawson Academy now. But he was very instrumental in helping us figure out how do we control new patients coming through the office. How do they, all the stuff you and I are talking about right now, a lot of it is from working from him. Um, and if anybody's listening is looking for a great resource, I get nothing from referring people to him. But he was a great help for us. Um, yeah. He's based out of Atlanta. He's a he's. I think he travels at least regionally, if not not nationally. Okay. All right. So that patient now comes back. It's two o'clock. They're seated at two o five. Okay. So so we bring them first into a non clinical space, which for us we have a consult room that's kind of right behind our front desk. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'll, I'll come in at that point um, and review the medical history, the dental history, all that stuff. Um, I usually, when I walk into the room, I'll start with a non-dental question. It's like, where are you from? I mean, I know Charleston is a very transient area mm-hmm. and I've looked at their paperwork before they walk in. I can see where their last dentist was. I got a pretty good idea where it's from. And for me personally, that's a great question because I have family all over the country. So no matter where they're from, odds are I've got somebody I'm related to within about an hour of them. Um, and it makes for a good way to start some type of relationship that's not just hi how are you how are your teeth doing today it's some kind of icebreaker while i'm getting in the room while i'm getting seated and comfortable get everything organized mm-hmm. them a way to also i almost say like disarm them just a little bit so mm-hmm. because my next question is going to be you know what brought you in today what can we do for you something along those lines and that's the point where i think when you and i talked we did that Facebook live thing a while back and I used the term verbal vomit. Like that's the time we let them just get it out. Like whatever's on their chest, whatever they feel like they've been waiting 
three or four weeks to tell me, let's go, let's talk about it. You know, tell me everything from your dentist when you were three traumatized you to I tipped my front tooth on a beer bottle last weekend. I don't care what they say. That's just an opportunity for me to listen to them. Let me ask you what's that as they're speaking, are you taking notes? Is yes. your assistant taking notes? Nope, it's me. So um, you're, you're listening to them and you're writing it down like mm-hmm. typical. Yep. The, way, the way that we do that, because of the way our room is set up, I can sit in there with the patient. My assistant stands right outside the room. So the patient and I are the two that are in the room. The right. assistant is right there. The patient can see them. I can see them. It gives us some degree of privacy, but also leaves the assistant included in the conversation. So that when they get to the back, the assistant's not asking them the exact same questions I just did. Um, but I, I like to have that time where the patient knows that I'm listening to them. And kind of to that point, as they're going through all this stuff, I am taking notes because as soon as they stop, I give them about three seconds of just quiet in the room. And then I'm going to repeat it back to them to say, hey, look, I, I realize you had some bad experiences as a child. Sorry. Hope your party was fun last weekend. Sorry you chipped your tooth whatever the case may be, but they know that I listen to the whole thing. And there are some patients that we've all been in the room with where it's like your brain just can't process everything they're throwing at you. Write down the first thing, something in the middle and the last thing, something that you know, they know that you were paying attention to Mm -hmm. them talking, even if it wasn't all relevant to what, what they're coming in for that day. I think they just want to be heard. Um, Usually once I finish with that part and we're kind of all on the same page and they've gotten to ask any questions they've got for me, that's when I'll turn them over to the assistant who then walks them back and they'll take, um, we do an extra oral bite wing at no charge for all the new patients when they come in, just to give me a slight bigger picture of you um, without taking a full Panorex. Um, And it's because we can do it quickly on our machine. It takes 20 seconds walking down the hall and it's right on the way where they're going. What that also does, though, is it stalls the assistant and that new patient just long enough for me to pass them in the hallway without having to run past them, because that's the time I'm going to use to check hygiene. While while my assistant is down the hall taking x-rays, I'm in the room with with our existing patients checking hygiene so that when that new patient comes out of that extra oral bite wing and they walk down the hall, they see me in the room laughing and having a good time talking to our existing patients. And the way our room is set up, they can't really see the other patients, but they can see me in my face as I'm turned around talking back to the patient. Mm-hmm. I think it just sets a good tone that they see, hey, yeah. you know, we're having a good time here. You know, this doesn't have to be a scary place, especially mm-hmm. patients that are nervous coming in. Atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of we kind of joke that like, every bit of this new patient experience thing is crafted. Like it, it almost it's I don't want to say creepy, but it's like going to Disney World for dentistry. Like everything yeah, is there choreographed. on purpose. It's, it's yeah, yeah it's and it's it's that way on purpose because we've done it wrong before a lot of times and ran into problems. And over the years, we've kind of figured out what works best for us. But once mm-hmm. the um, then once the assistant is in the back, um, usually or once they're done with the X-rays in the back, I'll usually walk in. Um, and again, I kind of try to use a different icebreaker at this point, just something to say, hey, I'm back in the room because I'm coming in from behind them and they can't really see me coming in. Um, usually I'll use something like, hey, you know, so how do you um, how do you know Miss Jones that sent you to see us? And I'm very careful there never to say Miss Jones is a great patient. You know, how, how do you know her? I don't like messing around with HIPAA rules, but there's no reason I can't walk in the room and say, how do you know Miss Jones? You know, I never said she was a patient. 
and let the patient start talking. And usually that'll get the conversation going um, enough to kind of get them relaxed. And then I can lay back. And that's when the data gathering really starts for me. Um, that's usually roughly 15 to 20 minutes into the appointment. So, so far it's just been a lot of talking and maybe five minutes of x-rays getting stuff done. Um, as we're going through the data gathering, that's something that I do myself. I feel like the patients are paying a premium to come see me. I don't mind taking my time to do that part of it. I know there are some offices where the, the new patient may be parked with a hygienist for 15 minutes to do intraoral photos, perio, probing, that kind of stuff. For me, I've done it so many times over the years, I can do perio probing in less than five minutes. And the patients, I think, appreciate that I'm doing that. I'm, they hear me call out every number to my assistant that's behind me that they're putting in. I'm going through and I'm updating all the existing restorations. As I'm doing that, I'm also looking at the quality of them, making sure that everything is healthy. If it's not, it may be that, hey, uh, this patient has an existing occlusal on number two. They need an OL composite on number two. So I'm doing my exam portion as I'm calling out the existings anyway. I find that that just works well for us. And the patient, I think, likes knowing that I'm looking at what's old, what's new, what needs to be done. I also find that's a great opportunity, especially if you get a patient that comes in that talks about, oh, I love my previous dentist. They're great. Like, find the one MO on number four that they did that looks beautiful. Take a picture of it and say, hey, look, this is a great feeling that Dr. So-and-so did. I'm really happy you had somebody you can trust. I hope I can deliver the same level of care. You may have to look really hard and look past a bunch of crap to find something like that, but find something good to say about the other dentist that they were seeing. I feel like anymore, especially in at least from what we see here in Charleston, a lot of the corporate offices are building a reputation of basically walking in and trashing everybody else's treatment plans um, and say, no, no, you know, they were being way too conservative. They missed all this stuff. You have to have all these things done. And I don't like that attitude. And, and especially in a new patient appointment, I mean, if I see work that I feel like was blatantly faulty, Usually what I'm going to do is tell the patient, hey, look, I see a couple of things here that there's, I have some concerns about. I'd like to call your previous dentist and discuss it with them. And then I'll be in touch with you and we'll talk about it. And I find that that's a way to not have to say anything derogatory about the previous dentist. Just phrasing is, hey, I need a little more information to understand what I'm looking at here. You know, occasionally I don't mind making myself look like the dumb one to keep from throwing somebody else under the bus until I know they need to be thrown under the bus. There may be a perfectly good reason something's in there. So after we've gone through and we've done the- um, Well, you know, the, the, one, one, the one thing, Jay, they could have been seeing that dentist for the last 25 years. That mm -hmm. dentist could have helped deliver their child in the parking lot on the day that their <laughs> wife had an appointment. And you're gonna say one negative thing. Now they could be- yep. Jack the Ripper of a dentist, but they, you know, they could be a phenomenal human being. And right. you do not, to me, you just do not want to go there. It's yeah. just, it's just wrong. And it's well, cheap. There's no upside. There's, yeah. there's no upside to doing it. I mean, my, my stance has always been, if I'm looking at a mouthful of shoddy work, instead of saying, this is shoddy work, I'm going to say, look, this is filling material. This is decay underneath it. I'm not really sure how we got here, but I know it's there. Let's talk about how we get out of this. Mm -hmm. Just, steer the conversation past it. I find that that works way better. Um, yeah. Also, it's going to save you an awful lot of awkward conversations down the road. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we go, go through, we go through the, you know, the perio probing, the initial chartings. Um, we're going to go through a full muscle exam, a full occlusion exam. 
We do a full oral cancer screening for all of our new patients when they come in. Like the running joke in our office is I'm not happy until I hear something like this is the most thorough exam I've ever had, or I've never had anybody look at my mouth this way. Like that, honestly, if I know I've got time and I'm looking at the clock, I'll keep pushing. I'll find something to look at until I get a response like that. Because then I know that we've connected with the patient. They see that we're devoting the time, that we're putting the energy into it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the real return is going to come. I think some offices get hung up on this thought that I've got to have 70 new patients a month. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, it may be different in your office, but in my office, a new patient exam is not a profit center. We probably lose money by the time I do the math on it to see a new patient and do an exam the way we do. But I'm building the relationship to profit on it on the backside. You know, when we go to start getting into the restorative work, the hygiene stuff, that's where we're going to make the money on it. I don't feel like some people were willing to devote the time on the front end because they're so worried about, well, what if the patient doesn't come back? Um, and I think that's with fee for service, you, you get a little more leeway because we are getting paid a little more for the exams to donate a little more or to dedicate a little more time to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've gathered all your data, right? Mm-hmm. So you've, um, and you said that's usually 15 to 20 minutes and you only really at this point have just two extra oral bite wings. Uh, no, the, the assistant will have already taken the, we take four intraoral bite wings at that point. Um, and then we take an upper P, anterior PA and a lower anterior PA. So they take those, after they've taken that extra oral bite wing, they'll walk the patient on back, get them seated and take those while I'm finishing checking hygiene. And then I'm coming in and doing the rest of my part. Um, okay, so, you're really, you're, so you're really not doing a full, you're not doing a full series of x-rays. You're just taking. Like no, I don't be, because the, the image quality, honestly, that we get on that extra oral bite wing I can see the full length of every root of every tooth. I can see the only ones that are sometimes kind of fuzzy is like where eight and nine are or 24, 25 in that area. And that's why I take those anterior PAs at the end. Mm-hmm. But with the ability to take that extra oral bite wing for us in our office, I don't, honestly, I don't think it's advisable to take a full mouth series Unless I see something I'm looking at. Now, if I look at that extra oral bite wing and there's a mouthful of decay, yeah, we're probably going to drop back and have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. But by and large, I find that if I'm looking at that, I get a really good look at what's going on with all the roots. Any major areas of decay show up really well on that. I know I'm the first one to admit that the resolution is not the same on that for detecting interproximal decay as it is with an intraoral bite wing, which is why we go back and back them up with the intraoral bite wings when we get the patient mm-hmm. Um, and what the patient's being charged out for is just the four intraoral bite wings, the two PAs. That's kind of our routine set, unless I see a reason to have to take a full mouth series. Um, and some yeah, of that is, is cost control for the patient. Like, I don't want to have the patient coming in with a massive bill on their first visit. I'd like to try to get to know them first. But your two extra oral PAs, you're not charging for those? Eh? No, no, we don't. I mean, like your two said, extra oral bite wings, excuse me. Right. I know what you meant. The, um, the machine's paid for at this point. I don't worry about the 20 seconds i've got a a cavicide wipe and a little plastic sleeve tied up in it so i've got what a dollar dollar fifty maybe and tied up and taking this thing it gives me a lot of image a lot of um information on the image and it lets me sit down in front of the patient says hey look i didn't charge anything for that we don't charge any of our new patients for that this is something i need to feel like i'm doing a thorough exam for you today Mm -hmm. again it's relationship building consider it a marketing expense if you're worried about Mm -hmm. where it's going but i i don't I'm not going to worry about what it, whatever we would charge out for that. 
mm-hmm. knowing that we're getting paid okay for doing the exam and the other x-rays that we're doing. Okay. So you now have collected the data, you've looked at the mm-hmm. film. So at this point, you think you've pretty much completed what you need to know? Depends on the patient. Okay. Um, if it's, say it's just a routine patient with one or two areas of decay, no major occlusal problems, no muscle issues, no joint problems. Yeah, I think we're in pretty decent shape at that point. And at that point, I'll, I'll start taking some intraoral photos and we'll set them up and say, hey, look, this is kind of what we're looking at. Show them on the x-rays what's going on. Talk about fees and timelines and what to expect for the restorative appointment. That's kind of your average run-of-the-mill patient. Then I'll walk them back up front. And I do walk up all the patients personally at the end of that appointment, turn them over to the front desk. That's mm-hmm. kind of a big point in our office. Um, Let me ask you this. The, do you ever take a scan? Do you ever take a, a, a scan of their... So we don't have a CT scanner in our office. That's on my... No, not, not, not a CT. No, like... Do you a, mean like an intraoral scan? Yeah. Um. Not usually, because the patients that I'm going to be doing that kind of stuff on, um, I'm still kind of old school with the diagnostic cast. I like to take physical impressions for that because I end up reporting them several times. Um, And frankly, I don't want to have to wait as long as it takes to 3D print them. And I like to work on them physically in front of me, working through things like occlusal equilibrations or wax ups for cosmetic cases. For me and my hands, I still do those the analog way. the only reason I would maybe consider taking something like a, an intraoral scan at, at a, an appointment like that is if I need a pre-op model for something that I want to modify, um, I might do it there because that would allow me to do some stuff on the computer before they come back in. Mm-hmm. Um, or if there was a tooth that was badly broken off and I was trying to show them in three dimensions what something looked like, then maybe I'd grab the scanner and do it. Um, but by and large, no, we really haven't worked that in. Mm-hmm. Um, you you take thing is we have one scanner. We take lots of intraoral photos. I mean, so that, is that part of your data collection too, or no? It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think one of the things with the scanner is we have one scanner that has a laptop that is for two doctors. So usually, if I'm doing a new patient exam, my wife may be in the other room doing a crown prep, mm-hmm. um, and she's using it. <laughs> so um, it's, it's also managing who's got access to the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason, the only reason I ask, because someone else, uh, Chad Duplan, has talked about it, mm-hmm. and. It was something that he added to his new patient. And he said, the amazing part about it is once you take the scan, the patient immediately starts to point out things to you mm-hmm. or you point out to them. And, yeah. and we, ha- we haven't done it yet either, but it's really on the tip of my tongue as to implementing that for us. I really yeah. think it's a, it's, a, it's to, for me, I think it would work very well for us, but yeah, keep, the other- so, the other concern I would have for that is data storage. I mean, you're going to have to come up with a, a heck of a solution for being able to store all that data. Mm-hmm. Um, once, you, once you take it, you're responsible for it. So yeah. that, that's been that's been one of the things when we've um, we've discussed integrating something similar to that at one point, and that was kind of the holdup at the time. That said, data storage is getting a lot cheaper than it used to be, so yep. it may become a lot more feasible. So let's let's continue. So you've got intraoral photos you've got the x-rays you've done the muscle you know full Mm -hmm. examination you've evaluated the occlusion let's say you find some occlusal discrepancies that you think Mm -hmm. needed to be addressed as well as some restorative work how's Mm -hmm. that conversation go 
Um, usually what I'll, it, it kind of depends. Say, we'll use the example of the last patient I had this afternoon before I walked out. The girl comes in, is a new patient. She's got a severe class two bite relationship, um, has a lot of muscle pain, has headache issues. She's also got six, yeah, six um, cavities that we saw today. Mm. Most of them are occlusals. They're not terribly large, but she's in pain. So for me, I'm going to have the discussion of, hey, look, here's the intraoral photos. Here's the pictures of the six teeth that I saw that had cavities. We need to fix that. But I want to get you out of pain first. So let's talk about how do we address your primary concern, and then we'll come back and deal with the restorative side of things. So mm -hmm. for her, we've got her set up for diagnostic cast next week. She's coming in on Monday, I believe, because um, mm -hmm. that was the first day that she could come back to take those. And so I always make sure I approach those conversations with patients is, look, this initial exam is designed for data gathering to figure out what do I need to do to move forward. Sometimes I need more information. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor and you say, I don't feel well. And the doctor is going to say, well, I think it's one of these three things, but let's run some blood work to figure out what it is before we start just treating a whole bunch of stuff we don't know. Mm -hmm. The diagnostic cast are my version of blood work. So I think if you if you make that analogy, a lot of patients seem to understand, okay, there's one more step before I can get to that final plan. Um, that said, I want to make an effort to schedule that quickly. If there's something else I need data-wise, whether I need a CT scan taken from somewhere, uh, excuse me, whether I need a specialist opinion on something, um, whether I need diagnostic cast, I usually want it scheduled within 24 to 48 hours um, mm -hmm. to, to keep the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. and make it feel more like part of the, hey, we're putting a plan together side of things rather than we're getting rolling, fixing the problems for you. Gotcha. So you're going to take, so you're going to take those, those models and then you're going to spend some time with it and come up with a occlusal plan. Right. Treatment. And then part of it, again, is just or whatever. speed of turnaround, I think is important. For those patients, especially if they're uncomfortable, you know, you're trying to get to a solution that'll help them. Right. Um, occasionally, if I know they're really uncomfortable, I'll make some kind of quick splint for them, um, essentially like an anterior deprogrammer, if they are a patient that is a candidate for that. And you know, there's some patients that I just can't do that with joint derangements and that kind of stuff. But if so it's somebody like who's just like got an NTI type of thing, that's me. Um, a, a version that of that. Family, uh, the right? the yeah. way that we were trained through the Dawson Academy, they call it a B splint. I think there's a lot of different versions of that out there. I'm not a fan of the NTI because of the way it only attaches on a couple of teeth and doesn't involve any kind of more stable coverage. Um, I actually had a patient almost aspirate one of those one time. So after that, I kind of backed off. Um, but the way that we we typically will do them is either I'll use something like a Lucia jig and make a quick splint, like an anterior deprogrammer in the office that may cover, say, six to eight teeth on the anterior. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'll just snap a quick alginate and we'll go pour it in the other room and I can make a suck down and stack acrylic on it in the span of 20 minutes. Um, so if it's something that's earlier in the day and I know I've got a little time to work between patients, I may say, hey, look, if you can hang out, I'll make this for you. We charge a nominal fee to do that. It's something to show good faith that you're trying to do something to get them comfortable. And when they come back and they say, hey, look, this little thing really helped me out, you know, even just overnight, it really helped me a lot. Like, great, let's find out how we make a permanent version of that. So then we're going to start talking about how do we do our bite splints, that kind of thing. Um, and I think it just establishes some trust with the patient um, that you said, hey, look, I see there's a problem. I'm going to do whatever I can to help you out with it. My, my first part of that conversation is how am I going to help you, not what is it going to cost to do that? Yeah. Um, I know some people tend to lead with like, I can do this, but it's going to cost $25 or $50 or 
$500, whatever you charge for those things. For me, it's like, I'm going to do this. I want to be able to do this for you. My cost for this is say $50 worth of supplies. If you're okay covering that for me, I'm glad to give you 10, 15 minutes of my time. We'll get this made for you. Mm-hmm. It just, it builds a lot of rapport with the patient, especially for some of the stuff like the occlusal management stuff we do. I mean, some of it's expensive when patients get involved with it. If we start having to rebuild a lot of stuff or we start having to make major changes to their occlusion or orthodontics, whatever it may be, it's nice to have that that initial experience with the patient where they knew you weren't trying to suck every dollar out of them. You know, Mm -hmm. some things are going to be expensive because they take a lot of time or they take a lot of supplies. It's the way it is. Some things are quick. Some things don't require a lot of supplies or the, the supplies they require are cheap. For me, those are opportunities to build a relationship, especially mm-hmm. if I can do it during that new patient exam. That's awesome. You know, that's the you're not going to get a better review on Google than, hey, I went in with this problem and I walked out and they gave me something that made me feel better by the next day. That's that's a dream for a dentist to get that review. Right. And um, I think like once we get to the point where we've kind of reviewed mm-hmm. what we want to do, how do we want to do it, what's the order we're going to do it in, that's the part where I start talking about money. Um, I know a lot of people don't like that, but it's it's a conversation that honestly, I don't enjoy it, but I feel like because it's not ambiguous anymore, it's not uncomfortable for me. I can walk in and say, this is what it is. If you have concerns about it, let's talk about a way to make it affordable. And maybe we talk about some kind of patient financing, or maybe we talk about, we'll do two fillings a month for six months and we'll have you back healthy whatever the solution is that works for the patient, at least we've opened a dialogue. And I would rather do that with the patient sitting in front of me where we can figure out a plan together. I mean, it's one of those things where we can have 10 emails back and forth. I can have the front office coming back to me 12 times to rearrange a treatment plan for a patient, or we can just sit down and have a 10 minute conversation and figure out what the patient wants. Mm -hmm. I I can tell them what I want to do all day long, but that's not going to get them anywhere. So wait now. But let, let me understand this. You at the gathering appointment, you diagnose, like you said, six fillings, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, some occlusal, you know, treatment plan. Mm-hmm. So they already have the prices on the fillings, right? You've already printed that out. Yeah, they'll, they'll walk out with it. Um, and so, decide. I want them to have the fee for everything I've presented. Now, what won't be on there is whether I'm doing an occlusal guard, whether I'm doing a bite adjustment, whether we're talking right. about ortho. And the way that's phrased to the patient is, this is what's been treatment plan so far, but the diagnostic task that you see right here on your treatment plan, you know, this is the fee for those. This is so that I can finalize this treatment plan. We will give right. you another copy before we proceed with treatment that'll have everything on it that we're going to do. Right, so and in this, this, goes in well this example, you have a patient who has some operative dentistry that you, they mm-hmm. know some of the fees. They're going to need some occlusal therapy that they really don't have the fees for. So mm-hmm. you're going to need to really wrap that up again. And so now you're at the point where you're like, okay, so occlusal, we're going to look at, you know, this is $2,000 treatment plan for this. Mm-hmm. These fillings are, let's say a hundred dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and like you said, the priority here is the occlusion because you're in distress, et cetera. So, right. so now you're talking to them in terms of you got the whole ball of wax in front of them. Mm-hmm. And for something like the occlusal management, if I'm thinking new, this patient's in pain, I'm very likely going to be going to an occlusal guard. I'll throw them a range on it. I'm not trying to hide the number from them. 
you know, it may be anywhere from 700 to $1,500 for the guard. Like I'm, I'm going to give them a, a range in there, but I don't know what type of splint I'm making. I don't know what kind of follow-ups I'm planning for. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether I'm doing single arch or dual arch necessarily at that point. I want to have those diagnostic casts before I commit to a fee on anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, in, in my office, if I commit to a fee for something, I'm going to honor it. We had one today that was treatment plans as an amalgam for some reason. So the patient came in and obviously we, we caught it. We said it should have been the composite resin. I'm not sure how I got treatment plan that way. That was our fault. My bad. We're going to honor the amalgam fee for you, but I would like to place composite resin. That's, that's what we do in our office. Is that okay with you? Sometimes you got to eat one for the team. But to me, if I quote a fee to a patient, I give them something printed to take home. I consider myself obligated to that. Mm -hmm. um, and that said, there's a period of time there. If a patient hasn't completed treatment within six months, all bets are off. You know, to me at that point, I'm retreatment planning, new fees. Let's keep going. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. So, so you covered that. So is there anything else in that new patient that you want to cover? Anything we missed? Um, no, other than the handoff part of it. Um, so when we walk the patient back up front, um, the right, order that we you said to, very specifically you walk the patient to the front correct yeah so now that handoff it happens gives, it gives me an opportunity to say you know i hope you have a good rest of the day or i'm glad the grandkids are coming to visit or good luck with a new job that you're starting which is a lot of what we see coming in in charleston um so i have some more of a personal conversation going up the hall and when i get to the front it gives me an opportunity to talk to the front desk, confirm what I want next, tell them exactly how much time I want. If I've already looked at the schedule and know where I want it, I'll tell them that. Um, and some of that is, I work really well with our front desk. They've, they've been with us a long time. They know what I'm thinking before I get there most of the time. But you don't schedule in the bank. No, I don't. I turn that okay. over to the front desk to schedule because they're responsible for my schedule. So if it's on there, I know who to go see. So do, um, they, do they have the treatment plan in front of them before you get there? They do. Because we, the we print it from the back and it prints out right behind them so that by the time I get up there, they're holding it in front of them. Um, the reason I like to also do that is because they can see on there if I have like refer perio, refer endo or whatever, they'll already have the referral pads out and I can usually either have them done or my assistant's coming down the hall behind me with one done most of the time. Um, but what I like to do is when the patient gets to the front, if there's a referral that needs to be made for something, I want that done first. Let me, let me show you that we're going to help you get in the door with our endodontist. Let me show you that I can get you in with our oral surgeon tomorrow because your tooth hurts. And then I'm going to have them talk to the patient about, okay, let's get you scheduled for the next step with us. And then we're going to start talking about, okay, this is the fee for today's visit. This will be the fee for next time's visit. Um, so, so you know, see, we, do, we, we, do, we do a lot of that in the back. So let me ask you the question then, how many people you work, have working at the front? Two. That's one's it? checking in, one's checking out. And we, we set our schedule up. I mean, they're both trained to do both things. All of our assistants are cross-trained and all of our hygienists are cross-trained to check people out and schedule up front as well. So we have two dedicated to be there, but our schedule is also set up so that there shouldn't be any point in time during the day where there's more than two people coming to the front. So if we have to, we can have one on either side. We have a divider wall. We can put one on either side. Um, so both people could be checking out. Both people could be checking in but we really don't run into a lot of issues. I also use a messenger system, like a, a instant messenger system in our office. Um, Side notes, I believe is the program we use. So I will send a message to the front that said, I'm ready to come up. So this is while I'm in the back 
wrapping up conversations with the patients. I'm kind of behind them. I'll send them a quick note and their pre-done notes. I can just click send. It says, I'm, I'm ready to come up. And I'm waiting for my front desk to either say, come up or I'm on the phone, buy me five minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm from the South. I can talk to anybody about anything for five minutes. So <laughs> that may be my time to just BS with the patient. Have a good time. Talk about whatever's going on, whatever hurricanes coming this way or who's going out on what boat this weekend. Um, you're not vomiting, right? Behind. You're not. You're not vomiting at that point, right? <laughs> no, that, that's that's the that's the fun part. Especially when we get to, I get to get out of professional mode and be me for a minute. Um, it just it, it allows us to communicate so that they know we're coming. And when I get to the front, I don't want to be standing there with my patient waiting behind somebody else who's trying to pay or something like that. If there's going to be a log jam at the front desk, I'd rather just keep the patient in the back and talk to them for a minute. Um, if there's a big problem up front, then sometimes we'll get creative and maybe I will start scheduling some stuff in the back, but that's, that's the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts, new patients um, experience not really other than just to remember that like what we do isn't for everybody that that initial phone call really sets the tone for everything that's going to happen from there on out with the way that new patients coming into the practice don't feel like you have to bend to every patient's will to get them in the door just tell them what you do some patients are going to want that we're not i realize being an established practice now we have a little more leeway with that initially didn't have as much so it's not saying that there's only one way to do this it's just saying that when you start to get to the point where you realize you have more time than or you have more more patients wanting to come see you than have you have space in your schedule start being picky you know pick what you're sticking pick your number one frustration in the day and find a way to make that not be there make that your first sticking point to get a patient in then find the next one keep working your way back through the things that drive you nuts and use the fee-for-service model that we've got to your advantage to eliminate the headaches in your day um how much hiking time have you added to your practice um what do you mean by that well if you're doing 30 to 40 new patients a month Mm -hmm. and let's say 25 let's say 25 of them right let's say Mm -hmm. 60 60 percent would be 30 so or no it'd be about 20 25 so let's say about 25 of those 40 actually become full-time patients so Mm -hmm. that would add on average um three days of hygiene yeah i mean we we have two full-time hygienists and we find that they carry the load pretty well we run hygiene on the hour um but are you like i said charleston Charleston is very transient so yeah i may be seeing 40 come in but i may have 10 a month that are moving to texas or california so it's not like Gotcha. And correct, me, correct me if I'm wrong, but like where your area is, people are moving there to be there. In our area, people are moving there for an opportunity or to, for the dream of being at the beach, like I said. So it's not that they are, a lot of times the, 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 what we get is the patient will call back, you know, a year later and say, like, I love you guys. Do you know a dentist where I'm moving? Mm-hmm. They don't want to leave our practice, but. You froze up. time with the amount of new patients that we bring in um, okay. and we you, actually built you, an extra capacity on the front end with our hygienist so you froze up a little bit see the one thing with our area 
we're in New York state. So most people are leaving the state, right? We're mm -hmm. not, uh, we're not an influx. We're not a positive. I think in the last 10 years, we've had the greatest migration of people outside of leaving our state, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that's interesting. So the front door, the back door, so to speak, but, um, mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think they're all coming here. <laughs> I have a couple of good friends that moved down there. I can tell you that much. Uh, so yeah. tell me, tell me, let's just wrap it. Let's wrap it up with this. Your biggest advice to a young dentist who wants to be more thorough, wants to be more comprehensive. Let's say they're not as tuned into the occlusal uh, schematics of things, but the, uh, let's talk about just the other restorative part. What would you, what would your advice be to them in terms of taking control of their practice? Um, first thing is just invest in yourself, continuing education. It, it changed the trajectory of my career. Um, take somebody you trust. Practice, you said, what's that? You said, take control of your practice. I mean, just investing in continuing education to know that you can pick the areas that you like or that you feel like, you know, talk, talk to an older dentist that you, find somebody you want to be like, you say, hey, like, I want to do what you do. How did you get there? Mm -hmm. I think there's this mentality of I have to do it myself. And I mean, I know I've called you a couple of times with questions about things. You've done what we're trying to do before. And there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. I mean, I've always said like, I'm open to talk to whoever, Me but if too. I have a question, I'm going to call whoever, you know, I called you about that. I called you about that ring that you put that information up. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, there's, there's a time and a place to try to, to figure it out on your own. And it's going to get really expensive, really quick, trying to figure out dentistry on your own. Um, and I feel like, like you can make a lot of decisions early in your career that can affect you the whole rest of your career. You know, people that are, as an example, I know of a practice that was sold. It was a pure fee for service practice. It was a unicorn. The person that bought it walked in and immediately started taking a bunch of PPO insurance because they wanted to try to grow it. And what they didn't realize was that by doing that, they may be getting 20 new patients a month, but now they're writing off 30% of everything they just paid to buy. Mm -hmm. It could have saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars in a year. They just called first. So I think the big thing is just make sure you're delivering a high quality product and, and find people to lean on. I think you've got to anymore if you want to try to do it by yourself. And if you're going to go the DSO route or you want to work for somebody else your whole career, find somebody that you can look up to and, and, and lean on them. Mm -hmm. Or you can come work, to, come work for me. We're hiring. We're trying to hire an associate right now. So we'll show you how to do it. I feel like there's a lot of fee-for-service practices out there right now that are looking for people. And you know, we, I hear a lot that people are looking for mentors. And I want somebody to show me how to. Like, the dentistry stuff, you can figure out. The running the business part of it is where you really are going to need some help. Find somebody that knows how to do that and lean on them. Well, I love the cheap shameless plug. So I'm going to take yeah, an opportunity to drop a little shameless plug myself. Mm -hmm. We have been looking for someone to join our group too. So mm -hmm. um, it means it means we're doing something right. We're growing. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think the under underappreciated part and uh, the, the podcast that we just talked with Mona Patel about was really the learning curve. And the beauty of dentistry and the part I love is that you're always learning. Mm -hmm. and 
somebody, as somebody the half-life, what do you think 50% has changed in dentistry? At what, at what year, you know, is it two years, three years, five years? I think it's much faster than we all give it credit for. And that's, that's the fun part. I mean, if you don't enjoy that, then maybe, maybe you love accounting. Maybe you like the business side on certain things, mm -hmm. but you know, you got into this and if you really enjoy it, um, find someone who enjoys it. Like you said, find someone that you can, you know, uh, take from and model from and don't reinvent the wheel. Gosh, don't reinvent the wheel. It's too yeah. damn hard. Yeah. It's, stay out of insurance networks because getting out of them is a nightmare. Yeah. Well, like, like you said earlier, right? They are going to color code everything to make them look good and make you look crappy, period. Mm -hmm. You know, preferred provider, you know, in network. I mean, there's a whole bunch of terms, uh, you know, pre-existing condition, you know, I mean, all this stuff, which basically means we're keeping the money that you paid and that's just how it works. Um, yep. So, yeah. Anyway, so listen, Jay, I really appreciate it. I, I, I learned a ton. No Thanks for having me. I will be hitting you up, I'm sure. But I, I'm, I'm curious about that, the scanner component, because we're flirting with it. So it was interesting yeah. to hear your take on that. So I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have we'll a good evening. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.